going on vacation won't cure burnout. Taking the day off won't cure burnout. A weekend in bed won't cure it. A night of self-care won't cure it. Doing these things alone, and once you're in full-blown burnout or heading very closely to it, these things won't cure what ails you. They'll be a band-aid at best. One of the problems with burnout is that we often don't see it coming. We don't have enough time to counteract the forces that are contributing to the feelings of burnout before we tip. In this episode, we will discuss burnout, what it is, how to see it coming, how to change your habits to counteract it, what a supervisor can do to help coworkers with burnout, and how not to burn out a team and to be more thoughtful. This is the You Don't Owe Me podcast, and I'm Juliana J. How do we recognize burnout in ourselves and our coworkers, and what can we do about it? The answer is this. We must first define burnout and the warning signs. What is burnout? Burnout is a little different for everyone. And that is why I think there are some struggles with people trying to understand if they have burnout, do other people they know have burnout or experiencing burnout because the presentation is a little different in everyone. Everyone experiences it in different ways. According to the APA Dictionary on Psychology, burnout is defined as a physical, emotional, or mental exhaustion accompanied by decreased motivation, lowered performance, and negative attitudes towards oneself and others. At a glance, we might think this is sort of a definition of depression, but burnout is not considered a mental condition, but rather a feeling of complete and utter exhaustion that can be tracked back to a condition or a situation from one's life. How do you know if a coworker is experiencing burnout? It's hard to know when you're headed toward burnout. It's hard to know when you're on a trajectory towards burnout. Upon reflection, you realize you've hit the mark, but you may not think you're stepping up to the plate or keeping the ship afloat is what is causing that burnout in the long term. You know, when you're in the midst of heading towards burnout, you might think to yourself, well, this is just me getting things done. This is just me keeping things afloat. Oftentimes, um, someone in a family structure feels like they're the only ones that are keeping everything afloat. They go to work, they're working really hard, they're keeping that afloat. Uh, they're the ones that are shuttling um, kids around and things like that. They feel like they're the primary caregiver. They're giving and giving and giving, and they don't feel that they can rely on anyone else to keep things moving forward. Um, this is something single parents experience a lot and um, parents whose structure in the household isn't an equal give and take. Many people who end up burnt out actually feel like they are the ones who are capable of completing the tasks and getting things done. They, they think that it's all resting on them and it's their responsibility to do it. Uh, oftentimes a coworker might present as somebody who always volunteers for everything, someone who leads the majority of the projects, someone who presents at the majority of meetings, someone who is always stepping up to fill in the gaps, someone who is always the last person to leave the office, someone who is always the first person there and the last person to leave, someone who eats at lunch at their desk. To give you an idea that people may be experiencing burnout, 
I don't know if you all hear that, but that is this little tiny dog down here on my feet growling at the door because the cat's on the other side. Anyway, you can you can see it coming in your coworkers when you see someone who's really for a prolonged period of time doing more than their share of things, keeping everything afloat, always pitching in, always doing more. It can always be also be somebody who is always helping others and never taking care of themselves. If you notice somebody at work that might be that. Uh, if you have someone on your team who just seems to really be, maybe at one time they were just picking up everything and they were moving forward and they were volunteering for everything and taking on all the tasks and doing everything. And then over time, you notice that the person may be still trying to do that, but isn't keeping it together as much as they used to. That could be a sign that that person is entering burnout or is in full-fledged burnout. I know for me, when I experienced burnout, I was literally un incapable of understanding emails to some extent. I had just really lost my ability to even open my inbox and stay present enough, long enough to read an email and then respond adequately. And uh, things on my to-do list and calendar just seemed so monumental. I couldn't even attempt to do them. Many people who end up burnt out actually feel this way. They feel like they reach a point where they can't do all the things they used to do. And it becomes noticeable, it becomes noticeable that you're not as productive or as functional. It becomes noticeable that you can't get up as easily in the morning or go to sleep as easily. Your sleep patterns are just really wonky all over the place. Helping each other instead of relying on one capable person is a skill we can all learn and it will benefit everyone. Society often trains us to rely deeply on capable people rather than sharing the load with them. We feel that it that it's a weakness to learn from a capable person rather than a gift. So we end up just uh, saying things like, well, she volunteered or well, he always does that or they wanted to do it, you know, and we use that as a reasoning to have the capable person do more and more and more. And that is just really not a positive way of interacting with people in the office or people in your life who are capable and knowledgeable. Uh, it's an opportunity for you to learn from them rather than use them to do the tasks you don't necessarily want to do or learn about. Finding yourself overloaded, overtasked, taxed and headed for burnout can be hard to see especially for those of us who like moving and doing things all the time. Suppose your person who is highly motivated to achieving goals and tasks and defines relaxation as doing something, even if it's something recreational. Say your relaxation is going to the park down the street and playing basketball with people for two hours or going to the gym uh, for four hours every day or things like that. I mean, those things can be really positive, but are all your resting actions also action actions, you know, or do you spend time sitting and reading, looking out the window, uh, enjoying a meal, uh, going on a casual walk, uh, going to bed early, taking a bath, you know, all those other things that aren't really this high kind of achieving mentality, you know, when you have a spare moment, are you looking for a class to take? Are you, you know, spending an extra hour at the gym or, or volunteering or doing stuff? It's great to have all those tasks and all those things you enjoy doing and to have hobbies and things like that. 
but keeping it in check in a in a a space that is doable and enjoyable and it doesn't become um a task or a burden for example um i really realized over time that something i enjoyed going to the gym had become this thing that i had to do and if i didn't do it i felt really bad so i drug myself there all the time and it used to be fun but now it it just became this burdensome task I had to do every day that I got home. And I dreaded it, you know, from like lunch onward, I was dreading going to the gym after I got back. You know, things like that, like keeping those in check. If you're always on the move doing something and, you know, competing with yourself at every level on everything that you do, you're uh, setting the stakes pretty high for burnout. Sometimes we want to push ourselves to the edge to complete a task to learn something new, to really see what we're made of or all those things. But it's not something we do 24-7. You aren't constantly doing that until you go to sleep. And the moment you wake up, you start doing it again. You're not always driving at 150 miles an hour. Sometimes you park the car or you slow down. You're not just on going, 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 going. That can um, trigger the burnout sometimes. So that's kind of what I was talking to you about when I used to go to the gym, I would go to the gym and I started doing this weird thing where I was competing with myself. It was no longer fun where I'm just going there and I'm really excited that I could come, you know, complete a workout I had downloaded before I went. Uh, I had to do something more and better every single time I went, you know, run longer on the treadmill, lift more weight, do more reps, take a longer class. And if I didn't achieve those things, I somehow felt like that workout was a failure that affected me emotionally, even if I did everything I did the day before, but no more, I still thought it was a failure and pushing myself beyond what was a doable timeline because I felt like that was success. And when I started doing that at the gym, I then applied it to all the aspects of my life, overachieving, constantly resetting the bar higher. If I, if I reached a bar, I never celebrated. I just set it higher every time. And that kind of mentality will lead you down a road to burnout. Many of us have to do more, be more, achieve more, and work more without considering things like learning more, relaxing more, listening better, taking time to really notice things, and slowing down. We're always in a rush to do rather than to see. We have adopted a belief system that is really only about working more rather than living better. It's a political construct to get us to produce more for the working world. It's not something that was constructed for our mental health or to make us feel better or more satisfied in life. When your work-life balance tips too far to the work side of the equation for an extended period of time, you experience burnout. If you were functioning beyond your job duties, some people might feel like they have to keep up at that performance level perpetually forever. You know, they they once pitched in when there was uh, not enough people in the office. They were doing more than one job and they stay there at that space after it's no longer needed. And it's OK to rise to the occasion at work once in a while and to help beyond your usual duties on occasion. But overdoing it so much that it becomes an expectation of your coworkers or supervisors can lead to an overtaxed workload which eventually could lead to burnout. Doing this type of stuff routinely for long periods of time is just impossible to maintain. And you, your body and your mind have to let it go somewhere. They, they, 
they sort of force you to take a break. And that is where burnout presents itself. In addition to all of that, it clouds your job description. Before you know it, you're doing all these things that you didn't sign on for and you aren't being paid for, but you're performing above the level of your job description. Once you repeatedly do a task outside of your job duties or above and beyond expectations of the work world, you're opening yourself up to becoming stuck there. And that those things you did beyond your expectations are now an expectation of your coworkers or supervisor. This can be even more exasperated in folks who are just entering the workforce or who may be finding discriminatory work environments. So uh, they're working over and above because they're afraid to be fired. They're afraid they won't receive a promotion or pay raises. And so they're overachieving in the work world just to be considered the same as others. People just entering the workforce from college or high school often fear being fired or feel they must do more than what they were hired to do simply because they don't know how to deal with demanding bosses and workloads. Often supervisors will say things like, given your impressive resume, we are expecting a lot out of you. Or they might say, your reference is really saying your praises. We are looking forward to seeing what you can do for us. Or possibly it's salaried position means you stay until the work is done. And that means long nights most of the time. Two things here. Notice the language. Get a lot out of you. What can you do for us? This is very telling as to the future conversations you might have when they expect more of you than you were hired for. These are all manipulative phrases to instill a little fear in you. If you don't measure up, you might be fired or be passed over for raises and promotions. This type of motivation can lead to burnout. Burnout can be a direct reflection of a supervisor's unrealistic expectations or positions that are packed with too many expectations. People in positions that have merged from two or more jobs often find the same. They are overworked because the workload and expectations are suited for two or more people, not one. Trying to accomplish a multitude of tasks in an unrealistic time frame can only be maintained for a short period of time. This is some of the reasons these positions often become revolving doors, because they're literally burning out the people in the roles and the people can no longer perform at that level and they have to move on. Positions with demanding or unsympathetic bosses can usually lead to burnout especially if the bosses are explained as cool or collaborative, but then it turns out to be an untruth and the employee may have an expectation. Oh, I have a cool boss. So they pick up the slack when needed and do all these extra things in the beginning, but then they are reprimanded when they're no longer maintaining that level of expectation. They work harder against their better judgment simply to keep the job. People who are people pleasers or lack of boundaries are also susceptible taking on more tasks than they want to, to keep others happy. Being unable to say no or advocate for themselves leaves them vulnerable to burnout. These people are always thinking of others, even when it is to the detriment of themselves. Often they experience burnout at work and in their private lives because they're simply over caring about other people and not caring about themselves. As I said before, I think it is important and it should be repeated, Burnout can infect an entire team if a supervisor has unrealistic demands or is a person without boundaries or an overachiever. Their expectations for the team are based on a model that is not sustainable. 
Over time, this leads to staff burnout, more absences, sickness, less participation, unhappy work culture, toxic situations, team discontent. Not only is this a recipe for burnout, but it also sets up a false idea of the work environment. The ramifications of a demanding, unrealistic boss are far and wide. Incredibly poor mentorship can affect someone's work life for the duration of their career. It can affect someone's ability to perform and have good relationships, to be healthy, happy, and to learn. It can profoundly negatively affect people in many ways, from mental health issues to loss of wages, even divorce, loneliness, suicidal ideology, and homelessness. If you're feeling like any of these things pertain to you, I highly suggest you seek a healer or therapist of some kind to work out those issues. You shouldn't be dealing with them alone by yourself. A lousy boss bleeds out into the world in a profound way. They are more concerned with their own appearance to the higher ups than they are to, with their staff. In short, they lack empathy and compassion for the team. They model a way of being that provides no service to humanity. It does not help the human existence in any way. I am not saying a boss must be everyone's friend and be a total pushover, but they must advocate for their staff and develop realistic expectations. They should foster a belonging and value. If an employee is causing havoc, prolonged levels of distress to the team, then the manager needs to address it and shouldn't ignore it. I think this is a really hard thing for managers, actually. Um, in my supervisory roles, this was one of the hardest things I had to do uh, because it's hard. It's really, it's really hard to address um, an employee that's causing havoc or pro prolonged levels of distress to the team. Uh, they don't necessarily see it. It's a very hard place for you to be. It can really, once the, if the procedure for dealing with an employee that's um, challenging is very long and laborious. By the time the manager is done with the process and they've gone through all the steps, it creates burnout because not only is dealing with an employee who's causing havoc or prolonged levels of distress, there's a whole mental component to that, which is really, really challenging, especially if you're caught in the middle between people who want something really drastic done and the employee. It can be a really tough place to be. I will definitely say that I have not handled all these moments perfectly in my life as a manager. There are a lot of really good bosses out there and there are a lot of really bad bosses out there. And in the end, everyone is human. People will make mistakes. But if a boss can course correct or look at the other side or help people, that makes a world of difference. If they're too rigid to bend or shift or course correct or realize when maybe they made a mistake or weren't doing the right thing, that's really important to being a good manager. If you're too rigid to see that, you often burn out your staff like that. So what are the signs of burnout? You may be wondering, you know, maybe you resonate with some of these things I'm saying and you think, yes, that's me. Yes, that's me. But but uh, what are the signs? How do I know? How do I know when I'm there at burnout? And, you know, uh, to be quite honest, I didn't even think burnout was real until I experienced myself. I just thought that was when, oh, you get really tired. And you don't want to go to work and it's hard to get up and, you know, you just kind of need a break. And that's what I thought burnout was, I didn't really realize it. It's that it's as extreme as it, it is for some folks. So some of the things you could feel is hopelessness, like, oh God, it's just never going to end, you know, exhaustion, both mentally and physically and, you know, either or both. 
uh, discontent. You start feeling like the situation that's causing you the burnout maybe isn't worth it or you're not interested anymore or, you know, you start disliking the the work, the people, the mission, the company, et cetera, et cetera. You can feel very discontent, numb or disconnected where you were once really engaged with what what you were doing with the group, you now, eh, who cares, kind of feeling. Headaches, migraines, different migraines that you never got before. If you're a migraine person, you know, get migraines. Um, I started experiencing migraines in different ways. You know, it wasn't always just the throbbing head. Sometimes it was the loss of vision and other things like this. Being extremely tired all the time, so tired, it's hard to do anything fun. And at work, you just really have to drag yourself up to do things. You might have changes in your sleeping patterns, like you wake up all the time and your mind is racing, or maybe you're falling asleep at five o'clock in the afternoon, or maybe you're falling asleep when you're uh, watching TV or something like that. You could have a change in your eating patterns. You could have just this overall strange feeling of unhappiness that you can't really put your finger on it, you know, like, wow, life is just so burdensome. You know, you kind of feel like that, like, oh my gosh, simple tasks become so burdensome and life is so burdensome. You can also have a lot of pessimism. So you start just feeling like, oh God, I hate that person that I work with. I hate driving to work. I hate my parking space. I hate where I have to park. I hate the traffic, you know, I hate this work. And then it can bleed into your regular life, you know, like, uh, God, I hate where I live. I hate my neighbor, you know, things like that. And, you know, hate's a very strong word. So I just want to put in the thing right here that maybe you're not saying you hate people, but you're certainly more annoyed and you view the world in a more pessimistic way. Like everything's on the down, everything's on the down slope. Nothing, there's nothing to be positive about. Again, these are all symptoms or like um, things that can tip you off to burnout, but the symptoms of burnout can mirror depression. But burnout is not considered a mental condition. Burnout tends to be a byproduct of a specific condition or experience a person is having. It is not an overarching feeling applied to everything in life, but it can be traced back and pinpointed to a particular condition or action. How do you change the propensity for burnout? As I said before, vacation alone won't solve your issue. Burnout will reemerge when you go back to work or school or whatever activity is causing the symptoms. Stepping back and slowing down will help you. But what the changes that you make to counteract burnout is something you have to apply throughout your life. It's not something you just do in this moment to get through it, but they're, they're skills you hone for the rest of your life. A lot of people, especially people who are always doing for others, will experience burnout. They'll pull back, then they'll go right back into it. And then they'll get burned out again and then they'll pull back. And that's a constant sort of moving back and forth between those two spaces for some people because they aren't applying the things that that help them to move beyond burnout every day of their life. They're just applying them once they're in burnout and then they aren't applying them anymore until burnout rolls around again. So, you know, be good to yourself. Realize that these are lifelong things you're going to change for yourself that will not only help with burnout, but everything else in your life. You know, just realize you don't have to be a super parent or a super employee of the year, or, you know, you don't have to be the go-to person or be defined as any of those things. Let that go, you know, realize you're enough just as you are. You don't, 
You don't have to be anything more than what you are right now. That's good enough. Try not to work on tasks that are like if work is the con is the thing that you're feeling burned out about. Try not to do the tasks associated with that outside of work hours, meaning limit your screen time. Don't check your emails. You know, don't be texting work things to work people. You know, don't do any of that. Let that go. If they are texting you, you know, you can simply reply. I'll get back to you on Monday when I'm back in the office. You know, adopt some ways of talking that will let people know I'll get back to you. But when work's happening, not on a Saturday. So limiting those work-like tasks on your off time is really, really important and things that have to do with work. A lot of people at work bleed into their personal life. And uh, you just have to be really mindful of that and put a boundary up when you see it happening. And if you've already let it bleed into your life, start doing little things to back it up. You know, like, yeah, I'll get back to you on Monday with that. Develop some little phrases you're going to say to get people to slowly change their way of interacting with you on the weekends if they are used to interacting with you about work. Create a plan for pulling back a little. If you have too many tasks, talk to your boss. You know, and again, be good to yourself. You don't have to stress out about this or anything like that. You can meditate on the life that you want and the things you want to do and the places you want to go. It doesn't have to be like a super long meditation of, you know, be like five minutes, 10 minutes. Um, oftentimes imagining a calm, beautiful setting for five to 10 minutes is very calming. Just closing your eyes and imagining that and looking deeply at everything in the scene that you're creating, you know, look deeply at the leaves, at the flowers, at the water, at the grass, whatever it may be. You can use a mantra saying it over and over again, as you just breathe deeply and slowly, it could be a simple mantra. Like I am breathing in when you're breathing in and I am breathing out when you're breathing out or I am love. I am love or, you know, whatever mantra you have or you want to create to just clear your mind a little so it's not so racy. I found that when I had extreme burnout, my mind was on like, I don't know, it was like, it was crazy. Just constant thoughts all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. You could never settle it down. And meditating really helped me learn the skill to settle my mind down, especially when you're about to go to sleep or you wake up in the middle of the night. And normally your routine would be to think about everything you did that day and obsess about it. Learning how to quiet your mind is really important in those times. We'll do um, a meditation for this a little later on in the season. We'll do a podcast on it. So keep your eyes out for that one. Um, I think it'll be uh, soon. It'll be soon in the next couple of months. We're still kind of formulating it and getting it together. So here are some practical ways you can uh, help yourself heal from burnout. Have boundaries, especially at work or in the area of the burnout. Like if you're always the parent who picks up everybody's kids and takes them back to your place while you're trying to work from home and kids are running around like crazy. And then you're always the one who takes them all to soccer and picks them up. And you're the one that always makes snack and you know, you're the one that goes on every field trip and does all these things. Try to have some boundaries where you're experiencing the burnout. Realize like, what are the things that are pushing me over the edge? I mean, if you really think about it, it's kind of easy. Like, I really don't want to um, drive, pick this kid up and drive them an hour out of my way every day to drop them off at home. I don't want to do that anymore. Then don't do it. You know, make a plan with the person, but you don't have to do it anymore. 
you know, you know exactly the tasks that are putting you over the edge. You know what they are if you really think about it and then come up with a boundary that's helpful. If you have a person you can discuss these boundaries with um, to kind of really hone in on, you know, maybe you're, you need to practice a conversation with somebody before you have it with the person who has crossed a boundary or you want to create a boundary in a particular relationship. Uh, you can talk that over with someone, you know, closely and work on how you might do that constructively, or if it's, you know, reasonable or what, whatever it is you feel like you need to discuss, you should discuss that and realize that you can't please everyone. This is really, really hard. It's very easy thing to say, but a hard concept to grasp mentally. Like you don't have to please everyone. And that it's it's really hard to live that truth because you think if you don't please everyone, no one will like you. And that's just really not true. You can think of many times um, people didn't please you and they didn't do what you wanted. You know, maybe they weren't available to go out to dinner with you a couple nights ago or they weren't. Uh, they couldn't meet you for coffee last Saturday or what have you. Um, you know, you can't please everyone. And it's okay for you to sometimes say no to preserve yourself. It's okay. It's very hard to do. I get it. You know, be ups and downs with this. You'll let yourself down. But when you do honor yourself and everything turns out okay, you know, you'll feel great. You'll feel great. And everyone knows that exercise helps your mental health. It also helps you kind of jog, you know, like get out of that mindset, that work mindset that's a burnout or that overthinking your thoughts or whatnot. You know, when you're exercising, you have to think about the exercise and it just gives you this outlet to let it go from your brain. And it's also just helpful, especially when you're feeling the burnout in your body to do things. You know, the same with having hobbies. Like, Don't let the hobby get out of control where it becomes something you're feeling burnout with, but enjoy it. You know, create hobbies that you enjoy, but that aren't things you're crazily doing all the time, which is another thing I tend to do. Um, build in breaks in your day. This is really hard for me. I've not yet learned it, but I think it's possible because I see people doing it all the time. But build in a break in your day, you know, get up from your desk and walk around with not with no intention. I'm not saying walk around because you're going to go get a get a glass of water or you're going to go to the bathroom or whatever it is. No. Build in breaks in your day just as a break. It's the law for one, plus also just do it. You know, go out and see the sunshine, go out of your office building, see what the weather's like, you know, walk around, walk up and down the stairs, whatever. Do something like that. Adopt some mindfulness. And this is the big one. Um, people say it a lot, but then what, what does that mean? It's a whole um, deep and wonderful philosophy, dogma, belief system that I can't cover here and I wouldn't even do it justice if I tried, but for this level, it's just being okay in the moment with who you are, you know, just being okay here, try and being in the moment when you're feeling overwhelmed, don't think about the future. And, you know, the overwhelmingness comes from like, I'm, I'm feeling bad about the past and what mistakes I made or whatever. And so I'm letting that kind of dictate who I am as a person, but I'm also really stressed out about these things that are going to happen in the future, like deadlines. Am I going to make them, you know, this big workload, whatever it is, you know, how am I going to get out of work in time to go pick up so-and-so from school to get them to their recital on time and things like that, you know, um, try not to let the past and the future 
make you crazy, you know, take a moment. And maybe if it's only three minutes and you, like I said, I've said this on other podcasts, but set the timer on your phone, you know, for three minutes, I'm just going to be here, you know, and then notice like, wow, it's not so bad. I'm here. My desk is comfortable. My chair is comfortable. I'm here. I'm not freezing. I'm not hot. I'm not starving. I'm not in pain, you know, whatever it is. Just do little, you know, a minute of mindfulness or something like that. When you're waiting for the kids to get out, you know, just a big out breath in the car as you're waiting for them to run up and I'm here. It's, It's okay. It's good. Wow. Look at my life. You know, just little things like that. Learn to say no. We went over that. Um, very, very hard to do. And you don't have to go crazy with that and become somebody who never says yes. Of course, there's a balance in everything I say. There's a balance. Uh, But learn to say no when you want to say no, say it, say it. The first time you say it'll be really hard, but it gets easier every time afterwards. And pretty soon you have a good sense of what you don't want to do and what you do want to do. And when you're taking these little breaks or mindful moments, mindfulness moments, check in with yourself. You know, how are you feeling about this big project? Do you think you can do it? Do you think you need help? You know, oftentimes burnout comes because we get a project. We just go, we start, we're doing it. We're, we're running forward. We're doing what needs to be done. We're freaking out. We need to get it done. We need to get it done. need to check it off my list, whatever it is. And we never stop and check in with ourselves about it. Like, okay, here's a task I was given. How should I proceed? What should I do? Do I need help? Do I need this? You know, what, do, what tools do I need to make this happen? We don't do that. We just freak out and start moving as quickly as possible. And as I said before, if you have someone close to you, check in with them. You know, you lean on them, ask them, you know, for help, ask them to help you with hard situations or figuring out how to say no to somebody or whatever. And as I said earlier, if these are really getting out of control for you and you're feeling like you're not burned out about one thing, but maybe, maybe it is more. And even if it is just feeling burned out about one thing, talk to a healer or a professional if you need to. It's very, very important to reach out when you need to. I can't stress it enough. It's been invaluable in my life and um, it, it won't hurt. It won't hurt to try. Force yourself to slow down. Um, that's one thing I learned recently that kind of is like meditation, which you can do this too in a meditation kind of sense. Um, but just do a walking meditation. Slow down. And every time your foot hits the ground, your heel... The heel, the middle of the foot, the toes, you know, walk like this very slowly and think in your mind, I love you and send that down to the earth as your foot touches the ground with each step you do that. And so by saying, I love you each time in order to keep pace, you have to slow it way down. So one, you're giving the earth a little love, but you're also slowing down your pace physically, but also do that mentally, you know? You can take a moment to be like, I'm just going to slow this down a little bit. You know what? I'm going to do a little bit every day to this task rather than doing nothing and then freaking out two days before and doing everything. I'm going to pace it out. So it's a slower pace and I'm doing a little bit more, a little bit every day and not so much on the very last days. Now, how can managers help staff with burnout? Create a positive work culture. Be understanding. Adopt a family first mindset. Trust people until they prove you wrong. Be compassionate and empathetic. Have boundaries. Make a safe space for people to come to you with concerns. Plan fun things to do during work hours. After hours can be a really hardship on a lot of people like parents and commuters, 
and people who have to take public transportation, et cetera, uh, to participate in things that are outside of the workday, create more stress for them rather than something fun, because, you know, they're usually caregivers have strict time restrictions and would rather spend time off work with kids or other people, but they can't really like, I got to pick up my kids at six. So I can't really ever go to happy hour. I don't want to be out late on Tuesday night at happy hour and then come home and then have to make dinner and my lunch for four kids the next day and, you know, get everybody to bed and then get myself to bed and then wake up the next day and then be dragging for the rest of the week, you know, so try to plan plan some things that are within the work day. Fun work activities should not be a burden to anyone. And not everyone will participate and it shouldn't be mandatory if it's a fun activity. If people choose not to participate, that's totally fine. Maybe they're just going to take the time to meditate at their desk or something. Let them know it's okay. Personally, I never liked it when people made like big deals out of celebrating my birthday and stuff like that at work. But I did appreciate simple gestures like um, letting me leave a little early or treating me to a cup of coffee or bringing me a bagel or something like that, you know. Uh, that was really nice, but um, it really stressed me out to have those big birthday celebrations with cakes and I had to pick a cake and do all the stuff. And um, so kind of find things that people would enjoy. Don't make them participate in things that are bringing them more stress or anxiety. Be culturally sensitive when planning things and let staff pick the activities, maybe take a poll on what the others would like to do or something like that. But again, even though you're doing these fun activities, that's not enough. You also have to be a kind, compassionate, thoughtful person who's there for your team. Discuss stressful jobs and projects during regular meetings. You know, talk about it openly. Yes, this is a huge, big project. How are we going to do it? Should we map it out? What would be the best way for all of you? Be collaborative about it. You know, you can also do things like create a wellness club, create a lunchtime activity group. Maybe you go on a walk or maybe you... Um, you know, go swimming if, if you have the capacity to do that on your campus or whatever, or maybe you do yoga or meditation. Um, there was a time that I was a massage therapist and I would go to workplaces and give chair massage to people and people would line up. The roster was always full. And I, you know, that was another thing I always thought like, wow, how nice that people in power here brought in a therapist for everyone to, you know, get a five, 10 or 20 minute shoulder massage at work, you know, every Tuesday, um, things like that. There's lots of things that you can do. Check in with staffers about making their time at work meeting heavy, like don't make it too meeting heavy. Meetings can cause stress if the workload is high. Sometimes um, filling someone's day with meetings, especially ones to which they are expected to report, create a lot of stress about getting other things done. While you're sitting in a meeting, all you can think about is the big project you have to get back to, or you were right in the middle of solving a problem and then you had to stop and go to a meeting and it, it you know, cut off your flow. So don't, you be really mindful of the meeting balance. Making sure the calendars are balanced is an art. But a good manager learns the skill. Be collaborative, not hierarchical. It's a very hard word for me to say. A manager that helps out the team when the load is heavy is much more value, valuable and valued than a manager who, who just dictates and doesn't help you. How do you recognize burnout in yourself? As I've already said, vacation alone won't solve your issue. Burnout 
will re-emerge when you return to work or school or whatever is causing the problems. Burnout is hard to counteract and recognize it until you're officially in it. Making permanent lifestyle changes like we discussed above is really, really important. Creating work-life boundaries and making them part of your routine, cutting yourself off at the specific time of day from work activities, taking breaks, self-care, and all the other things we talked about should be your part of your lifestyle, not something you only do when you're feeling exhausted or too tired. So we'll circle back to this burnout more. Uh, we're going to have some guests and things like that later on in the podcast. So keep an eye out for that. For now, I hope you like and subscribe. Uh, I will see you in the next one. I hope you found it useful. I love you. I support you. And until next time, 